0: Hey guys, welcome back to another episode here of In the Zone. I'm Giancarlo Alino here with Chris Martelli, Anthony Piniello. Uh, We got to start off here with some big news, guys, because the NHL had their draft lottery. Uh, They announced it, they had their little TV production there, watched on Sportsnet. And yeah, Montreal gets the first overall pick. They're going to be hosting the draft. So yeah, nothing going on there. But uh, New Jersey move up 3 spots there to 2 and then you see Arizona Seattle move down 1 Philly move down 1 so uh start off with you Chris would you make with the draft lottery results and Montreal and New Jersey getting lucky here
1: I mean shout out to New Jersey they get so freaking lucky every single year they they've had I think I put it in our group chat they've had four top, they've had top four picks and I think three of the last four drafts so I mean, I expected them to get what the sixth pick here. I think it was about six, f- five to six, and they get the second pick here. I was saying before we went live, I think they need to take Logan Cooley here. He's a center. He's really, really skilled. He's kind of, I know you guys don't really know much about this draft, but the way that he's transcended up the rankings is kind of like what Line a did all those years ago, beginning of the year. Uh, I think he was in about 16, 17, and he just took off as the in the juniors this year. So he's now all the way up to second. He's a really skilled offensive centerman. So um, if they draft Logan Cooley, I don't know what Nico Heischer's like upside is for offense. I know he's never really been that 85 point centerman, but what he has brought the last two years and and even in his improvement, it's, it's great to see for New Jersey, but in terms of Montreal, like they, they needed this bad. So Um, Shane Wright I don't know how good he can really be I know he's been compared to Kopitar since he was like 15 16 years old he's just that power forward center that can just he could score he could pass he can be very physical he could just be a pain in the ass to deal with so I know they took Kakinyemi a couple years ago at three but I think in this case they really I don't think they can screw it up here with Shane Wright
2: (laughs) oh the devils they're the real winners let's be real how many years in a row have they moved up?
1: Oh, probably like
2: th- like at least two of the four years for sure. Like significantly, though. And it happens again. I'm not – I don't know. I'm not upset. I know the Habs got the first pick. As a Leafs fans, we should be mad. But uh, they had a tough little year, didn't they? It was fucking weird making the finals and then having the drop that they did. Weber missing the whole year. <clears throat> Price missing pretty much the whole year. And then they have to rely on their kids, Caulfield, going down and then coming back up again. So for their fans, it's nice. But, uh, yeah, yeah, fun stuff.
0: What do you make of uh, Buffalo and Columbus here? Because Buffalo, they're in an interesting spot. They got two picks now in the top 16. Uh, A lot of that has to do with Vegas, so they get their pick. But uh, they also got a chance there. Owen Power looks amazing. They're going to get some young guys here in Columbus who uh, they got Chicago's sixth pick. So Chicago fucked that one up there, and they also have 12. So are, do you see anything big happening with these two teams? Like, should they take advantage of these picks and uh, trade for a bigger name to come in?
1: For who, Arizona, Seattle?
0: Oh, no, uh, Columbus and uh, Buffalo. Uh,
1: if, I'm, if I'm Buffalo... Probably not, but in terms of Columbus, it depends on what Lainez approaches as his contract kind of comes to an end. I know that we've been saying for a long time, man, that Lainez is a type of guy that if he doesn't get the results, he's going to bounce. But after the year he's had, and I mean, he exceeded my expectations this year. I picked him up in fantasy and I didn't look back. He was incredible majority of the year. If I'm a guy – if I'm in the Columbus Blue Jackets front office, you have the sixth and the 12th pick here. You're in a great spot. I mean, I would probably, if you really want. I know there's guys floating around there that are kind of. I know they're not. They're happy, but they're really low key. They're not in guys like Forsberg and like Tarasenko. If you want to package a six and the 12 to get a player of that stature, and maybe have Linea signed at like a three four year extension after that after that trade. Then Columbus is in in good spirits, but I think regardless, man, you have two picks in the top fifteen. I think regardless for the franchise and the way they've been the last what two three years, ever since knocking the Leafs out, they have they kind of have been on a downward spiral. I think regardless, Yarolino, it's a win win specifically for Columbus, but in terms of Buffalo ninth overall, I mean this draft isn't known to be too elite. Uh, that, that's a that's a tougher situation with buffalo for sure i really don't know what they can do with that
2: i thought buffalo would be like eight years ahead of where they are right now so what i want to say is i'd want buffalo to package those two picks but they probably shouldn't they just lost a superstar in jack eichel i don't really see the point of them doing that but for columbus i'm kind of in a similar boat when i look at their team i don't feel like there's any rush they uh I don't know. if I wouldn't say they flee Chicago. Seth Jones is a fucking great defenseman. Obviously, they didn't have a great year. But, yeah, they ended up getting the sixth pick from it. So, if I'm the Jackets, I'm probably staying course as well.
0: Yeah, and the only reason why I say that is, like, Columbus, when you're just looking on paper, like, the kind of guys they have. They have line a so uh, they probably want to win or get close to winning soon. Varensky's there long term, so... I don't know, I think with two good goalies that are like coming up that have a lot of promise there, I think they should maybe package the 12th pick if you can go around. But Nashville, I think I would look at that, like what Chris mentioned there about Forsberg. I think if there's a guy they should be looking at, especially with a European GM, I think that would be a perfect fit there in Columbus.
1: Yeah, and another thing too with this draft that I actually just realized right now looking at it, six of the top 10 players are all international And when you, when you talk about scouting international players specifically after all the COVID stuff that they, that we've had to like, you know, see. And I think the visualization of scouts specifically the last couple of years has been a lot harder. And in a draft where you're, you're solely, you know, reliant on Shane Wright and Logan Cooley as the attractive dudes that, you know, they're, they're American and Canadian and they're, they're going full tilt, but, Yeah, like six of the 10 guys being international prospects, to me, is a little concerning, too, specifically with a team like Buffalo there and Columbus. And, I I mean, we talked about winners in the draft. I think Philly going to fifth is just – I don't want to say worst-case scenario, but, like, Ryan Ellis, (laughs) I hope he's back next year and he's playing. Apparently, there's a rumor going around that he just didn't want to play for Philly, like, through and through. That's the reason why he didn't play, but – I mean, they still have hope. Like, Konechny is still a solid player. I really do like Faraby, even though he took a step back this year. But even Katuri I'm pretty sure, missed like 60% of the game. So Philly, maybe not as bad as they, like, you know, this year was just a train wreck. But, I mean, going from what, they were, I think, third to fifth in a situation like where I look at the players that are involved, that could be a huge drop off. Yeah, Philly was
2: a bit of a mystery for me this year. I kind of expected them to make the playoffs, not going to lie, going into it. Just a lot of really good players. And, uh, yeah, Carter Hart kind of had that similar year. had a lot of injuries. Ellis missed the whole fucking year, I'm pretty sure. He may have played, like, the first week, and then that was it for him. And then, uh, yeah, they were relying on him and Proverov to kind of carry the year. So, I'm not sure with Philly, but, uh, Alino, I want to ask you, Arizona getting the third pick. Are you happy about that one?
0: Oh, man. Uh, I hope they fill up that little 5,000 seat arena. It's going (laughs) to be rough. (laughs) Like, they need some uh, attraction there. I don't think Phil Kessel is going to resign there. Why the hell would he? I think this is a chance for him to dip. Uh, I think he was hoping that at the trade deadline, they do him a solid for being a good little pro. But uh, I think now he's going to think of his family and say, you know what? Let's look at all the other options out there. Go be on a playoff team, top six forward, score some goals, and uh, maybe win another cup. So I say uh, Arizona needs uh, – they better not get a bust again because they have a horrible track record at some of these drafts, and uh, they got to hit on this one.
1: Yeah, and the last question I have too, I mean, if, if the Devils do go with that winger there uh, and like Logan Cooley drops to Arizona – I think that might be one of the best things I've ever seen in a draft in a while just cuz Cooley all year has just been flourishing in any system and Barrett Hayden I mean he went 5th overall and it's not looking it's not looking too good so far I know he captained Canada and and everything was looking pretty smooth but the last year and a half man it's just like what the hell's been going on I know a lot of people react to covid uh, differently you know it, it can affect a player's transition into the North American game and especially in the pros, but Hay Barrett Hayton just hasn't done it for me. So if they can get a Logan Cooley, I think that's an absolute grand slam pick there for Arizona. But here's a question that I want to ask you guys. I know you guys are going to love this one. We saw after Winnipeg did, did. not make the playoffs, Mark Shifley has been rumored to get traded. Do you see any in the top 10 picks here? Do you see any of these teams Using these picks for leverage to get Shifley. Oh man,
2: back to a point before with Buffalo and Columbus, especially when you look down the middle over there. Um, I don't have the lines in front of me. I'm pretty sure it's Rostovitch playing number one center in Columbus, and then they're pretty winger heavy. So, yeah, I forgot about Shifley. The rumors were coming out. He was pretty. In, he was banged up toward the end of the year, but like he's gone point per game like six years in a row and one of the better two-way centermen you kind of you think back and you forget how long he's been with the jets so if, if it is his time maybe it could be the jackets if they really want to
0: yeah i'll go off the board on that uh i'll go san jose as a team that could be uh someone that like makes a call anaheim maybe if they have uh like options there, they have a plan in place, but I think they're still going to rebuild for another year and not replace Getzlaff right away. But I'm going to go San Jose on this one. I think they need to uh, turn things around there, and if they can trade for Shifley and uh, add him to that group that they have, that's already veteran heavy. I think that could be a good fit.
1: Yeah, I just had to bring that up because I'm I'm looking at you know Winnipeg and what kind of place they're in. I mean Kyle Connor was what top ten in scoring. I think he was like top five in goals who just, he had a great year. I guess that's your guy for the future. He's your number one. Blake Wheeler's getting older. Shifley has basically at this point requested a trade. So if you're Winnipeg, I mean, I don't really know where they're at moving forward <coughs> next year. Like, are they better than Dallas next year? I don't really know. Cause the aging core in Dallas is getting old really quick. Like Sagan is an old 30, 31 based off all the injuries he's had. So, like you have Jamie Benn at 34, you have Pavelski, God, he's flourishing at like 37. Um, Ryan Suter there too. So what what do you guys think of Winnipeg next year? Do you think they're going to just go full-on rebuild or do you think with a winger like Connor, that might prevent that from happening?
2: I still think they're too good to go into a full-on rebuild. Um, I have faith in Hellebuck, still one of the better goalies in the league. Uh, Connor and Ehlers are kind of... Yeah, those are the guys. Um, Dubois, I guess if Shifley wants out, Dubois is going to be the one to step in as their number one center. So those three guys alone are still pretty young. Um, With Morrissey's been a fucking staple there for years too. So uh, they're in a weird spot now because, yeah, I think they're too good to kind of go in that direction. But, you know, I wouldn't really bet on them to win.
0: Yeah, I see them being kind of like a comparable to Calgary. Uh, They'll probably make a big trade, and you'll see Shifley go out. They'll maybe add a defenseman because they lost three of their top six all at once a couple years ago. Uh, So I think they'll get a defenseman out of that, and then maybe look at free agency, see who fits in best with the team, and then go from there. But I think this might be the most like a one-year retool because they got Ehlers-Connor like playing well right now. So I just think it's about who fits in best with the group right there.
1: Love it.
0: Well, uh, guys, got to go on now to uh, something more positive. The Leafs uh, are one win away. Uh, last time they did this, we were nine years old. And it uh, could be some history to made tonight. tonight uh, when they go to Tampa. Uh, and they take on the Lightning. They can eliminate the defending champs and send those beach bolts home. So, uh, Chris, you were at the game when you saw that comeback first, what was your reaction to the early two goals and uh, how did your emotions change with every goal the Leafs scored?
1: Oh man, I'm just so happy how the game went because I dropped a shit ton of money. But um, yeah, you know, the first two goals were kind of like a, like a, like someone stabbing me in the fucking stomach. Like just uh, Stamkos's goal was just, oh he's just a pure sniper, like no surprise there. And then Victor Hedman's, he just like, it literally, I don't even think he intended to score there. He just kind of wanted to, he shot it Pat in the passing lane there, just try to avoid and it went right in the net. And, you know, it was two nothing, what like eight minutes in the game. And the crowd was just kind of stunned for about five minutes. But then I want to say like four, four, I think Campbell made a huge save it like after it was two nothing and right after that, a lot of people that were sitting in my, uh, in my area were, uh, were like, okay, boys, like, let's try and stay positive here. Yeah. The shots are 16, four, but you know, we're at home. We gotta, we gotta, you know, build momentum for this group. And, you know, the second, uh, second period came and we're a completely different team. And, you know, a lot of people don't really talk that much about how big home ice, like how, how important home ice is and. And this game really showed how important home ice advantage is. And Jack Campbell really, uh, he really did a fantastic job. I know the first first period, it wasn't looking too good. But after those two goals, I think he stopped 30, 31 consecutive shots. So Campbell stood tall. Uh, our star players were unbelievable. And shout out to John Tavares for bouncing back because he needed that performance. Man, they need
2: to start on time that's it i thought the leafs have been solid in pretty much most part of every game but like when when they scored two in the first five six minutes i thought we were in for another game too i'm like oh my god they're gonna fucking come back and we're gonna end up losing like six four or something like that but yeah as the game went on just the energy in the building got stronger and stronger and the buds played with it and man i love i love the fucking intensity that Matthews has been playing with didn't he have like seven or eight hits last game he fucking laid out Sergachev. they're they're buzzing they're playing aggressive they're taking it to Tampa but like they don't fucking start on time that's all I'm noticing
1: yeah Alino um, Matthews what were your thoughts on his game I know he got a goal the big goal at the end but yeah I like how you brought up that intensity I remember I saw him, I think there was one play behind the net, Maroon was fucking with him, he was like slashing him behind the net, and right after that play, I just saw Matthews, it's like he was seeing red the rest of the game, he was hitting everybody, stick lifting as much as he could, and even Alino, our good boy Mitchie just having an unbelievable game such a smart player in the neutral zone active stick all the time one of the few that only do that on the penalty kill so what were your thoughts on uh on Matthews and Marner because man they look magical
0: yeah the Mitch Marner hate uh, all those haters out there pretty fucking quiet all of a sudden uh I'm hearing some praise for Marner and then all that section that wanted him traded haven't heard a word one under a rock somewhere, and uh Austin Matthews, the perfect word for that, our guy Berkey, used to always say it, truculence. Came in there, decked some bodies, put some people on their ass, scored some goals, and uh, carried the team to a win. So that's what you want from your leadership group, your core. Uh, we saw William Nylander get involved after, obviously, the other game didn't go his way, but he was a crucial part, and, all the guys that are getting paid the big bucks are stepping up, so you'll love to see it.
1: I mean, here's another here's another stat that I just pulled up. I mean, I think it was the, the last two games before game five, Matthews only averaged 16 uh, minutes because of the, the amount of penalties that were uh, called, but in this game, 23 minutes, seven hits, one block. Mitch Marner, four hits in the game, so... Yeah. Um, that's definitely DNA for success if I if I think about it. I mean, you're two-star players doing doing the offense, getting some uh, really huge hits. And uh, I guess I'll start with uh, Piniello here tonight, game six in Tampa Bay. Last time we were there, we saw a pretty porous poor effort from the lads. Um, or like you mentioned, the pace at the beginning of the game always bites us in the ass. What is the key to success tonight if you're the Leafs?
2: They gotta start the game on time and try to limit Tampa's chances because right at the gate, Tampa's gonna be fucking firing if they get a a couple of goals like last game within the first little bit i don't I don't see the Leafs coming back in Tampa doing that again, but if they go back to game seven, could be a different story, but yeah, if Tampa comes out firing, they just gotta tone that heat down a bit,
0: yeah, uh. I just say, go in with that same level of intensity and send them home. I said the Leafs should have closed his shit out in five. You know what? They gave him a game. What what did the coach, uh, John Cooper, say, oh, we're letting them uh, get these goals. It's not like earned or whatever. Yeah, fuck that. They're sending his ass home. Hope he enjoys it.
1: (laughs) I want to talk about somebody on the Tampa Bay Lightning that has been completely underwhelming if 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 I may say over the last two playoffs you guys already know where I'm going Braden Point he's got one goal one assist he's a minus six in the series Piniello I know the Leafs are more of an underrated defensive team but how surprised are you with the amount of goals scored that Braden Point only has freaking two points in this series it's a little surprising
2: uh you think Brandon Point would be one of the guys that's in the mix with probably leading the playoffs. He's got the potential to do that, especially with the guys he's playing with. Um, He's just a really smart, hard-nosed player, and he's got a lot of skill. So seeing him not really get on the board, yeah, it's kind of surprising for sure.
0: Yeah, I haven't really noticed him out there. And uh, for a guy of his offensive ability, that's not a good sign. They want him to carry that offense. Sorelli's been more of a factor than Point. So I think he needs to step it up because if and when the Leafs take him out, they're going to be looking at what went wrong here. And I think Braden Point's contract is going to be the first on their list there of maybe ones that they have to move if they want to get better and return to being a Stanley Cup contender.
1: Yeah, and also there's this narrative going around from analysts and things I've talked people I've talked to is, you know, the age difference. I mean, it's not too huge between teams, but Victor Henman now 30, 31, he's played a lot of hockey, wearing tear on his body, making blocks, getting a lot of hits. Do you think this is a big narrative moving forward if the Leafs were to get it done? Like, do you talk about this core and they've been in the playoffs, what, the last 10 years in a row? Is that a big issue for uh, for Tampa Bay moving forward if this is the narrative? Oh, fucking
2: absolutely it's the narrative. That's every advantage goes to Toronto. They get knocked down in the first round every year. Half their guys are injured most of the year. Tampa's going on these Stanley Cup runs. they 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 keep the same guys together, like you just said. Uh like Sergeyev, and like leaving from Montreal, going to Tampa. He's getting all this playoff hockey. And, for a long time now perry maroon Stamco, sorelli color like year after year after year so for sure like that's definitely an advantage for toronto uh not saying tampa can't win the series but if they do win the leafs i'm sure that'll be brought up
0: oh yeah it's gonna be uh brought up for sure and they're gonna have to make some tough decisions because also like you look at what they've done in the past like columbus swept them so They have to look at other ways to win, and that forced a lot of changes at the time, so I think this one will be no different. They'll probably make a lot of changes once uh, they see what the Leafs did, what went wrong for them, how they couldn't even keep a lead, how they kept Toronto motivated and get that momentum back by rallying in two of the games and bring the momentum into their own building. So I think they got to address that going forward.
1: Now, I know we talked about um, Braden Point's disappointment, but if there are two players in this series that you guys had to pinpoint on each team in terms of who is the biggest surprise, who would you have on both sides? Because for me, I'm really surprised with Nick Paul. I I mean, this is a guy that last year in Ottawa, third, fourth line, not really doing much, kind of more under the radar, but underappreciated, like under that umbrella he comes to uh, to Tampa Bay where at t- when he got traded there, I was kind of laughing. I'm like, is this guy even really going to make the team? And then he's a huge factor. He's been a huge factor in this playoffs, being on the line at times with Stamkos, trying to mix it up, been on a line with and been on a line with Maroon. So for me, it's Nick Paul. And then for the Leafs, I got to go with how great Mikheyev has been. I know he hasn't been on the board, but. It's the little things for me that what he does. He's aggressive in the neutral zone. He, he uses his speed always to his advantage. I know he still at times makes stupid you know stupid plays with holding the guy you know on the shoulder. But other than that, I mean, I've really loved the, the way that Mikheyev has transcended this year. So those are my two. Who are yours? I'll start with you, Alino.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go with Sorelli uh, on Tampa and on the Leafs. I'm going to go with Bunting. He's been a little speedy guy causing a ruckus when he gets in their zone i like it so i'll go bunting and uh sorelli yeah for me it's
2: ross colton on tampa he just kind of stepped in immediately after tampa had that little tiny turnover when they got rid of guys like johnson and miller and then he stepped in and it's like nothing happened just another cog on the wheel and playing with guys like sorelli and Paul, he just fits in perfectly and uh I, I feel like I have to say McKeough
1: honestly. He's he's a fucking horse out there. <laughs> yeah, he's he's been unbelievable, man. Like he, I I don't know if I said it on the pod or like when we went off, but I know this might upset you, Alino, but McKeough might be more impressive than Hyman for me. Oh, Zaki. <laughs> Like, I know Hyman has the intangibles, but, like, on ice performance this year, like, man, has just – he's on me, man. Like, he, the, some of the shit he's done, especially shorthanded, oh, my God. Just beautiful stuff.
0: Hey, he's a good pro. <laughs>
2: How much is uh he going to demand next year?
0: Oh, probably $7 million now. I'll see
1: like, I'll say like five and a half. <laughs> all right, you'll look good on the wild then. Peace out.
0: <laughs> Well, uh, that's the Leafs series. Now, On speaking of Zachy, let's go on to uh, the Oilers series where it's been fucking hilarious. Uh, the Kings, who a lot of people thought would be taken out in like four or five, lucky to be in there. They're making it a series, and uh, they got the Oilers there a little nervous. So, uh, Chris, I'll start off with you. Uh, are we in the past year or the Kings going to come up and be that bottom seed that surprises everybody with Kopitar and uh, go on this run?
1: Let's take it back to 2012. Why not? I
0: mean, quick,
1: I'm not surprised. I think when we were doing our predictions, I had, I had uh, the Oilers in seven games, but I mean, I didn't think they would lose a crucial game five at home. Like that, that to me was a puzzling it was a puzzling performance. I know McDavid and dry have been outstanding throughout the series. And even Evander Kane leading the team with goals is a surprising stat in itself, but you know, you need more from guys like Nuge. You need more from Yamamoto and, <laughs> uh, and Darnell nurse with that headbutt now getting suspended for game six, it's not looking good for Edmonton. So, uh, Oh, man, this is uh, this is absolutely worst-case scenario if you're an Edmonton Oilers fan because, you know, we you kind of compare Edmonton and Toronto, but the difference, Toronto has other sports teams to root for. Edmonton really doesn't. So this is a big deal if Edmonton gets bounced in the first round. And, Pinello, I know you said you wanted to see the Kings do what the Ducks did. And, oh, those West Coast teams, it's looking like, this is going to come down to the wire. I do expect Edmonton to win tonight, but I really don't have a lot of confidence saying that. So it's going to be fun, going to be interesting, but I do like how you brought up the the LA Kings of the past because uh, they've shown flashes of it for sure. Let's go, Marlies. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, I don't, there's no way around it. Like I'm not even fucking kidding. It's Grunstrom and Trevor Moore and Philip Deneau, and fucking Lazat, and they're shutting those guys down, and the core of the past is still maintaining what they've done in the future, and it's fucking hilarious to see because I feel like I'm 15 years old walking to high school, and these guys are still, I really hope they win tonight because I don't think they'll win in seven, but uh, I I got the Kings in six because I didn't think (laughs) we'd make it this far, so why not?
0: And look at this uh, tweet over here. What to do with an LA Kings playoff towel. Wipe away an Oilers fan's tears. Shot. That's, a, that's a chirp right there. I like it. The social media department there. Doing a good job. Uh, but on to uh, some unfortunate news. Rangers and Penguins. Sid the Kid got injured. Uh, Chris, what was your reaction to the injury now and do they have what it takes there? Like, can Malkin at the, his age right now turn things around and lead this team on over a win in uh New York? Dude, I'm
1: not gonna lie to you. I don't think I've ever been that pissed off um in a non Toronto playoff game. Like I, I saw the hit. First of all, there's guys swarming him all game, and obviously they should at Sidney Crosby, but he makes the turn, a quick pivot, and you just see Truba's elbow just go right in his face. And immediately he goes down. He got right back up, but then you saw he was shaken up. And I think he's had two concussions, major concussions. Shout out David Steckel. But um, yeah, this is definitely a tough loss. They've already lost Jari. They've already, <laughs> already, they've already lost Dumoulin. Oh, man, now losing Crosby. I know they're up 3-2. Big win from the Rangers last night coming back down, I think, 3-1. It's tough. Uh, I want to say the Pens still get it done. I think Gensel is good enough. He scored in almost every game like we've mentioned in the past. He's a different beast in the playoffs. But Sidney uh, Crosby not being there, that's a thats a huge loss. We're going to need to see 2012 Jeff Carter come through for the, for the Penguins if they really want to. Secure the W here, but I think this one, regardless, Pittsburgh, you know, they're going home in game six. The crowd obviously is going to lift up their spirits even without Sid if he doesn't play. But regardless, it's a big fat L for the fucking game of hockey if Sid is not out there.
2: Carter's watching his boys over in L.A.
1: He knows what he has to do. He's got to step up.
2: Gino's got to turn back the clock and latang has got to not get injured.
1: I'm going Pens
0: and six. Oh, yeah, I'm going Pens too. Uh, I think they're going to turn it around. I think it's going to be an overtime though. I don't see them like running away with it. Uh, Crosby's injury, I think, is going to cause a couple fights going on in the first couple uh, minutes of the game. So I'll still go Penguins there. But uh, anything else in the NHL playoffs, you guys want to talk about? <laughs> I just hope
1: someone fucking runs Truba, (laughs) (laughs) Like Brian Boyle fucking runs him over. Nah, that's it, man.
0: That's it. (laughs) RFA legend. I'm surprised he didn't hold out for another contract. Just uh, take it arbitration.
1: Hell of a story with Boyle. Gotta love it.
0: Go to uh, the NBA now. And talk about this horrible performance. By the Golden State Warriors. Uh, what the fuck? You're in a closeout <laughs> game. You're playing Memphis with O'John Morant. And you're getting your ass kicked for most of the game by 50. Uh, Piniello, I'll start with you. If you're the coach who... Oh my, if you're Sacramento right now, you're probably like, can we shred that fucking contract for Brown and say, <laughs> nah, psych, we are not, we don't want you anymore. Uh, but like, if you're this coach now, Steve Kerr, watching that game, how do you turn this around and close them out
2: honestly you just gotta have faith in the boys because they've done it a handful of times before uh, it's not it, it's a it's kind of a bullshit answer because memphis without jaw but like they they've done it you've seen without them like they're a great team and without jaw like nothing really changes they're just they're a great system and they stuck to their game. But for Golden State, like, everything was just fucking off. They need more out of play. Like, I'm, I'm surprised we were talking before we went live that Wiggins wasn't the guy we were talking about in trade rumors. But <laughs> if you're the Golden State Warriors, you just got to have faith in Steph and Clay and Dre. And, and you got to close it out because this was a disappointing one for sure.
1: Yeah, man. Y- yesterday's game might have been the worst Golden State game I've seen in a long time. 22 turnovers. Holy shit, that's awful. Um, they got outscored 38-22 in the first, 39-22 in the second, and 42-17 to 17 in the third. Now, I mean, Steph Curry is not going to get 14 points. Kaminga is never supposed to be the second leading scorer in a game, in a playoff game. That's just not happening, but... Yeah, I like what you said there. Uh, Memphis, they just do their job, even without their star player, business as usual. Tyus Jones might be the best backup point guard in the league. He just goes out there and drops like 15 and and 8 on average when he starts. So I love Tyus Jones, a very underrated player. Jaron Jackson showed out. He had a scary moment there where it looked like he he got hurt uh, with Curry falling on his wrist. But he ended up being okay. And finally, Desmond Bain yesterday kind of stepped up. The last couple of games he was invisible. And here's here's a name that I know Piniello is gonna absolutely love. I have to shout out Steven Adams comes back into the lineup and just has an absolutely tremendous game. 13 rebounds, gets three assists. Just a great uh, great game from Steven Adams, all in all. But overall, I really like the way that Memphis looked. I like again, you're in an elimination game. You can't have that rattle you, and that was the last thing that I saw cross Memphis's mind. They looked calm, cool, collected, and uh, I don't know if I don't know about Golden State. Honestly, I know they're going back home, but 22 turnovers, just the way that the shots haven't been falling for one of the three superstar shooters every game, it's kind of worrisome if I'm Golden State. But I'll still say Golden State does win the series. I don't see them losing three in a row. But anything can happen with this Memphis team. They really uh, they really do believe that business is usual and business has been booming all year for them. So it's going to be tight.
0: Oh, man. Max Kellerman must be having a fucking field day with this one. All the heat he was taking there about saying Steph Curry and the big moments and the big games. This was a big game, and uh, look what happened there. They lose by 39. And uh, he's supposed to be the best player on the court. He got outplayed by uh, Jackson and Bain. So uh, this is not a good look. I think next game, like two weeks ago, they were already fucking giving the key to the city to Jordan Poole. So I think he needs to be on the bench to start this one. Maybe be a six-man role, get him uh, some confidence a little bit or get a fire under him for being on the bench. Wiggins, to me, I thought stood up. Good Canadian boy. And uh, looking at Memphis, Steven Adams, I'm surprised. Uh, he wasn't really a factor in the other games. Maybe he was injured or dealing with something. But when he's in the game, it's like a guaranteed offensive rebound. So Bain can miss a shot. They at least have Steven Adams there to get the rebound. And then they can get another three. So I think he changes a lot of things being in the lineup. But Golden State, there's no excuse. They got to win next game and close out this series.
2: There
0: it is. But uh, going on to the other series, uh, Bucks and Celtics. Uh, wasn't looking good there for the Bucks, but they turned it around. Giannis looking like a hockey player, getting the blood stitched up there on the bench. He goes out there like a good pro, and uh, they end up winning the game. So, uh, Chris, is a Celtics hope lost here, or could they still get one out?
1: It's lost, buddy. They're not coming back now. They're not going to win two in a row against Giannis, the best player in the world. Yes, he's the best player in the world. I'm saying it. 40 points, 11 rebounds, three assists. He's Dude, did you guys see some of the shots he was making yesterday? He was coming down two dribbles and shooting a three, and it was swishing. Like, that is terrifying. Yeah, that's very scary. So – Jason Tatum yesterday, he dropped 34. He shot a shit ton of shots. I think he shot 29 attempts. Um, Al Horford yesterday was disappointing, but that's expected. He's not going to get 30 points every game. But eight points, only seven field goal attempts is concerning. I was a little disappointed in Marcus Smart down the stretch. I mean, I know he's the primary ball handler when you get the inbound to him, but you had Jason Tatum wide open and uh, Drew Holiday – one of the best defenders that I've seen in a long time at his position clamps him down, gets the block, and then gets the steal immediately after and gets a standing. Well, it doesn't get a standing oh, it was in Boston, but the, the 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 Milwaukee bench was just loving every minute of it. But yeah, I'm gonna make a prediction now. I did say the winner of this one's going to the finals. So yep, Bucks are going to the finals again. I just think that's happening. Giannis is the best player in the world. Middleton's probably going to be back in the third round. It's looking nice for Milwaukee.
2: I uh, think originally I had Boston winning this when I had when they had Middleton go down, just because he closes a lot of games for them and he's so important down the stretch. But uh, I like what you said about Giannis not losing two in a row because I don't really see it either, especially the way Holiday's been playing. I fucking love Drew Holiday. That's Smart was having problems with him last game. You gotta throw your guy Bobby Portis in there too. Hey, <laughs> he's been a, he's been pretty fucking solid. So, yeah, just, like this whole fact of Giannis not losing two in a row and <laughs> the way the their main guys have been playing. So, it, this is a great fucking series.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that the Celtics aren't playing the same way that they did against the Nets. Like, they had no fear against KD and. Kyrie, and they pretty much like outplayed them in every possible way. And now against the Bucks, it's like the matchups in their favor too. Like they, have a, they match up well with them. It's just they can't like do anything. They're not really effective. Tatum has struggled a lot from three. Brown has struggled a little bit. So it's not the best of signs when your best players aren't performing consistently in the big games. So. It's going to be tough now. Uh, I think they're going to get eliminated, but in the off season, like, what more this team could do? Like, Al Horford's been playing way better at his age. Like, he's overproducing, I think. He's producing more than Tatum. He's more inf- effective than Brown, so they got a lot of tough decisions to make this off season. Yeah, and at the end
1: of the day, it's the depth, too. Like, Derek White, I know Piniello, you love that acquisition, but he hasn't been he hasn't been as involved and he's still playing about 30 minutes a game and he's only averaging about seven, uh, seven points where you have guys like Milwaukee. I, I know we all understand that they like to share the rock a little more than Boston. The main guys in Boston shoot a shit ton. Like, like Brown and Tatum average about 20 a game. Whereas Giannis at times can put up 35 with only 17 field goal attempts. So, they, they like to spread it out a lot. I need to give my boy, my white boy, Pat Connaughton.
0: Oh, I no! What happened to Chris? <laughs>
2: <laughs> no. Right when he was giving a, his boy a shout out.
0: Oh man. He was talking about Kanaden, we lost him.
2: Well, brought <laughs> up the white boy factor. Basically been draining those important shots. I, did. <laughs> I think that's where he was going. Uh, yeah just the depth on the bucks like um when you look at the celtics lineup too they have four or five guys playing close to 40 minutes every night other than Giannis and drew they pretty much spread it out buddy take it away
1: (laughs) i don't i don't know what the fuck happened there (laughs) that was that that must have sounded hilarious just me getting cut off but uh yeah i gotta give my boy pat cannot some love he's been draining those threes looking effortless looks like duncan robinson out there he goes out there for like 25 minutes and Giannis knows too he's a really smart player if his shot is not going down or if they're really clogging the interior this guy's just going to toss it out to Connaught and he's going to drain a three I want to say he's averaging like three threes in the series because they need those three-point shooters to come through because that's all that the Celtics do is just shoot the three and you know who's really struggled the last three games and the first two he was outstanding has been Grant Williams he's kind of taken a step back the last couple of games as Giannis has kind of figured him out. So Giannis, I've said it before, man, like he to me is the new LeBron. It's his league. He's the best player in the league. I wouldn't be surprised. Like I mentioned, he's not losing two in a row here. So my Celtics dreams of them going to the finals, uh, it's not looking good. So I got the Bucs going to the finals and I'll say they take on Golden State. That's my prediction.
0: Oh, Golden State and the Bucks. So uh, that brings me to my next point. What do you feel about the Suns and Mavericks? Because I know the Suns are rubbing people the wrong way a little bit. Uh, they seem a little bit too cocky for a team that lost last year up 2-0 uh, to the Bucks, and uh, for a team that hasn't won anything. So I don't know. Do you like their attitude? Do you think it's helpful to them? Or do you think they should tone it down a little bit?
1: Uh, you want to start it, bud? Um I thought Devin Booker would be a little more of a humble superstar. It's not looking that way. I think he's just a little jealous of how great Luka Doncic is. Like Luka Doncic is averaging the most points per game of all time as in the playoffs. He just passed Michael Jordan. He's averaging 34. This is a guy that will dominate you. He will wear you down. He will tire you out with the amount of footwork that he has and you can see that Devin Booker just doesn't like it. He thought this would probably be a cakewalk, and you know Dallas at home is just a different monster. the The role players for Dallas have surprised the shit out of me. I know Alino, you gave Bullock and Finney Smith some love. I want to give more love to a guy like freaking Kleba, where you know during the year he's barely playing, and then all of a sudden, yeah, you know Jason Kidd looks at Kleba says, "We need some threes, buddy. We need you to go out there and we need you to sink them." He spaces the floor out and, like, wow, he's just draining threes effortlessly. And I love Cam Johnson, like I've mentioned. I love those type of players. But all in all, I think the reason why they're the way they are, Alino and Piniello, let's not forget that age is a huge factor here. Aiden is like 22, Booker's 25, Johnson's 21, Bridges is 23. Like, this is a young team that has been so good for the last two years. So, I do think I agree with you, Alino. I think their ego is a little bit too big, but they they did finish first, and they were in first all year. So I'm not surprised, but I am surprised with their the way they've been playing and the way they're kind of – what's the word? They're kind of walking around thinking they run it, especially with a guy like Chris Paul on their team, who I think with his leadership should bring that those type of guys back down to earth. But it just doesn't happen. I'm really happy for the Mavs. Oh, I got no problem with it.
2: As a matter of fact, I fucking love it, man. I just think the Suns—they're playing with so much swag the last couple of years. Like you said, Devin Booker's a great player. I just think it's two superstars butting heads. Honestly, like Luka's fucking killing it. Uh, I don't—I forgot what the stat was. You said he was first, and I—I I completely forgot. First or second? I saw something with MJ with the graphic there, but um, yeah, they're just going back and forth, and a couple of games where the Suns fucking smashed them and it's just getting heated i think uh that that's what makes devin booker and the sun's great i think if you tell devin booker to tone it down maybe that takes a little bit of his game away so uh if i'm him i'm just like you know what man go crazy you're a fucking superstar scorer you gotta talk your shit and go out there and close it out so uh yeah i love it i want to see luca come back at him
0: yeah i like it uh not to, If you look on Twitter, there's people who look at it differently, but I like it in a way that at least brings some excitement. It's just they have to also be prepared if they get destroyed. And uh, Luka Doncic could take over a game like we saw. Him and Giannis, I think, have been the best two players in this playoffs right now uh, without question. Every single game they're going in there getting 20 and just being the difference maker for their team. So with a guy like that on the court, it could backfire on you and uh, we could be talking about the Phoenix suns in a different light. And if it doesn't go their way and they get eliminated in the second round, everyone's going to look at Chris Paul again and say, maybe like, is it over? Does he still have it? They're going to question him all year next year. So for his sake, uh, it has to work because that poor guy is going to have to go through a full year again of hearing the same talk like he did in Houston and the Clippers and now again in Phoenix, so it's going to be a tough year for them if they don't get it done.
1: Yeah, I I actually agree with Pinello so much. Like, we
0: don't have that competitive
1: drive anymore from a lot of superstar players. They're hugging each other after the game, even if they lose. Like, we saw what Kyrie did with Boston. Like, that to me was absurd. You don't, You don't hug your old teammates smiling after you get swept. That's just – that's not what the game is about. It's about being competitive – you know trying to win and seeing yeah like seeing Luka and, and Booker go head to head it's like all right this is must see we need to see this more from the big guys even even Tatum and Giannis there are times where i really want to see them kind of i know Giannis is going to fucking eat him alive but i want to see Tatum kind of step up and be like hey i'm just as good i'm probably a top 10 top 5 player right now so i, I want to see i want to say next game i don't be surprised if Jason Tatum tries to put up 50 love
0: it. Well, uh, speaking of series is and uh, like players coming up being the best. Obviously, Philly, they're probably not going to advance there. Miami pretty much beat them. So let's celebrate a moment here as we close out this one. And uh, on this night, uh, it's a special day, May 12th, uh, three years ago, special players come up. Uh, make big plays. So here's a play to celebrate the three-year anniversary of a legend whenever he plays Kawhi Leonard and what he did three years ago today. Oh,
1: man. (laughs) You know what's hilarious? Embiid is going to have that face later tonight after he gets eliminated by Miami at home. Look at that (laughs) one,
0: two, three, four game series. And Toronto is one <laughs> good times. <laughs> oh man, that poor guy he probably saw that the game was on the calendar. He's like, You gotta be fucking kidding me. Why is it May 12th? Couldn't it have been the 13th, couldn't it have been the back to back. Nah, poor guy. This where the PTSD su- kicked in. Yeah, don't be
1: surprised if MB drops like 12 points tonight.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, who's <laughs> on the other side, even if he's not playing, he's on the bench kyle lowry smiling and fucking waving at him oh man
1: <laughs> <laughs> butler and lowry let's go i was oh, just man. gonna say and jimmy butler too
0: <laughs> oh that's jokes what so i going to end it as we close this out speaking of Kawhi. um do you think he'll be back next year? Or are we going to be uh, on this part-time attraction schedule like he's a WWE superstar?
1: Yeah, I don't fucking know what's up with him. <laughs> I haven't, I feel like <laughs> I haven't seen him in two years, like honestly. I hope he'll be back.
2: <laughs> I'll say he goes full-time, but we'll say like 60 games or something.
0: Oh, 60? Oh, man.
2: Yeah. Maybe 55. We'll
0: see. I think they should just do it like he is a WWE superstar. Make him the attraction in California. We'll play him Thanksgiving, Christmas, those kind of games. Get the <laughs> gates up. Get the crowd in attendance. Get the ticket sales going. And when he's on the road, yeah, fuck that. He's not playing on the road. Home, Where we you gotta <laughs> You got to right, play the know.
1: Terminator theme song and have the Brock Lesnar hat when he <laughs> fucking comes out in the fucking building. Because that's fucking unreal. And also, that guy, I, there should be a Kawhi rule. If he's going to do that, it should be like, yeah, if you're a bottom three seed in each conference, Kawhi's not playing. So uh, there you go.
0: Got to pay big money. Kawhi deserves like half of the ticket sales. You want him to suit up? Got to make it worth his while. He's trying to get him back on the court, man.
1: <laughs> Alkaline, man.
0: Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Any coffee oh shit yeah so Kawhi Leonard the legend hopefully gets back on the court because uh, he's a king of LA it looks like doesn't look like LeBron's gonna probably be there much longer so it's Kawhi City on the Clippers or if he decides to leave and go to Sacramento which is probably I wouldn't rule that out he hates uh, attention he likes privacy so what better way than in Sacramento but uh, guys, any predictions of how tonight's going to go?
1: Oh, for what basketball?
0: Yeah, you call in uh, extended series, or you think all these teams close it out?
1: Is it three two Suns or is it two two? I it
0: think is it's three uh, two.
1: I'll say uh, I'll say Dallas wins tonight. And I'll say Miami wins tonight and ends Philly and Embiid's reign of terror. But I do want to say one thing: You said that King of LA is Kawhi Leonard. I'm gonna give some fucking love. The King of LA, as of right now in my eyes, is Reggie fucking Jackson, Ooh. Mr. Goggles over there.
2: Ah, sounds like a Kopitar. Cool Boom!
0: Yeah, Alain Kopitar, so let's give him some love there. Uh, Drew
1: the shoe, dowdy.
0: But uh, if uh the Kings win, which I think is likely, what do oh Edmonton do? Two MVPs and this shit happens again?
1: They go out and they get a fucking goalie, man. <laughs> it it's not that hard.
0: So uh, it's going to be Jonathan Quick, isn't it? They're going to make a trade for him, get Corey Crawford out of retirement. Duncan Keat's going to be the guy on the call and another old goalie. Sounds about like the Oiler way to do it.
1: I'm calling this now. They're going to get one of the two goalies in St. Louis calling in now.
0: And it'll probably oh. be the bad one.
1: <laughs> yeah, Mr. Pinner. I like it, though.
0: Uh, good pros uh, all around there. But uh, we're going to end off this episode here. Uh, follow us there on social media. Check out our past episodes. And we'll be back next week to talk about some of these series is closing out. So uh, thanks a lot and stick around for next week.